Hey everybody, welcome to the Iceberg Lounge, which is now heard in nine countries around the world. I'm your host, Thomas Engel, and on today's show, we're going to be talking about the television era of pro wrestling that goes from the 1950s till 1979. So let's get into it. So following the success of television, pro wrestling went national during the 1950s. This was called the golden age of pro wrestling. TV caused a change in pro wrestling. Some of the changes were to the characters and professionalism. Pro wrestling and TV fit together very well because of the ease of being able to understand it, the drama, the comedy, and the different characters, and the cost of the product being low. From 1948 to 1955, pro wrestling was on all three major channels with Dumont TV Network being the largest supporter at the time. When it comes to the introduction of gimmick characters, one of the biggest stars coming from a gimmick during this era was a man named Gorgeous George. Before him, though, most gimmicks were ethnic terrors like Nazis, Arabs, and etc. One of the reasons Gorgeous George gained attention was because of his, ca- his character was outrageous, flamboyant, and charismatic. His impact showed how fast TV changed wrestling from athletics to now performance. His character birthed a more individual and narcissistic form of characters. Gorgeous George was also among the first to use entrance music, which is now a staple of the wrestling product. Now, when it comes to terms, promos are just pre-match rants by wrestlers to get the crowd going and to greet local crowds, boost missing characters and skits. And during this era, promos would not be discussed before shooting. And so it's pretty much make it or break it for pro wrestlers when it comes to promos. By the mid-50s, the number of pro wrestlers were over 2,000. More of the new wrestlers wanted to become TV stars during this time. It was shown to be true with the product losing athletic talent and gaining more blood and acrobatics. The New York office became dominant during this time. They would hire more entertainers than competitive wrestlers. Possibly one of the first comic book-like characters was Antonio Rocca. He was weak in wrestling ability, but his personality was marketable and with his acrobatics, It made him a national superstar, definitely with the Italian and Mexican fans of the sport. Sadly, the New York office often used him and exploited him. And because of this, they were able to make contracts more into what they wanted. Before we talk about another slowdown in pro wrestling, let's hear from our sponsor. And we're back. So... By the late 50s, due to overexposure, pro wrestling lost its high ratings 
and producers dropped them from their schedules. Whatever TV remained for wrestling was small, local shows, which were put in the late night or Saturday slash Sunday morning slash afternoon spots. But promoters would weaponize this by purchasing airtime from rivals, thus eliminating competition and effectively putting them out of business. The biggest promotion in the 50s was the NWA, the National Wrestling Alliance, which had many companies under its banner. But many promoters saw the NWA as a crooked tyrant that was holding pro wrestling back from evolving. Several companies left the NWA and found a spot to flourish in pro wrestling. The most important of these was the American Wrestling Association, otherwise known as the AWA, and the World Wide Wrestling Federation, or the WWWF, later being renamed the WWF in the 1970s, specifically in 1979. The AWA would overtake the NWA as the most popular wrestling promotion in the 60s. Vern Gagne, who was the top wrestler in the 50s, formed his promotion within the NWA in 1957. His promotion would become number, number one in the company by Gagne gaining the World Heavyweight Championship of Omaha. When he was denied an NWA World Championship match, he then broke away from the NWA in 1960, thus the creation of the AWA. When he was named the AWA World Heavyweight Champion, he still was recognized as a top wrestler and had many feuds. His most important one was with Nick Bockwinkel. Ganya was a top AWA draw until his retirement in 1981. The WWWF during the 60s and 70s had Bruno San Martino to carry the company. Bruno had many aspects to make him the most popular wrestler at the time. He had brawling, power moves, and charisma. He would headline 211 cards at Madison Square Garden, more than any wrestler. And 187 out of the 211 were sellouts. After the WWWF rejoined the NWA, the AWA would no longer be the top promotion, with the NWA regaining its dominance. The AWA, though, would still do well because of a man named Hulk Hogan. Hogan gained attention in the U.S. by starring in Rocky III. Even though Hogan was such a fan favorite at the time, Ganya would not let him be world champ because AWA was built on technical wrestling. This would cause Hogan to leave the AWA in 1983 because of the AWA not putting the belt on him. This would be AWA's worst mistake and would damage the AWA for good. The NWA was on top and gained even more dominance through one of its promotions called Georgia Championship Wrestling, or GCW. GCW would become the first nationally broadcasted wrestling program on cable in 1979. And GCW 
would then become the most watched show on cable in 1981. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Iceberg Lounge. Remember to like, comment, subscribe, and share this podcast. Thanks to our sponsor, Anchor, and our Patreon VIPs who show support. If you want to become a VIP, go to patreon.com slash trji, and for only $1 a month, you can become a VIP of the Iceberg Lounge. If you want more info about sources in this episode or my social media, It will all be in the information section of this episode. Thanks again, and remember, I love you, and all to God.